1: her name's Alisa Carpenter and she's been like on all these different TV stations like ABC7 CBS6 Philly 17 Fox, she's been in NPR, she's been quoted all on these money sites and everything like CNN Money and Moneyish. And she's also a contributor for Forbes where she focuses on millennials and how they could go and launch their careers. But most importantly, what she does is she runs a company called Everything's Not Okay and That's Okay, which is kind of the topic of what we're going to be discussing today. Uh, She has this background in higher education and she's really going out there and what she does with uh, her company, she really focuses on the insights on the future of work how it impacts employees, managers and organizations and why it's essential to lean into fear and not really run from it instead. So Alyssa, why don't you take a moment to introduce yourself?
2: Well I just wanted to thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm excited.
1: Of course, anytime.
2: <laughs> no. So I'll give you a little bit of background, not to bore everyone. Um, my background's actually in higher education. So I worked in college and universities for about 13 years and started my company, Everything's Not Okay and That's Okay, in 2015, doing a lot of career coaching, typical millennial, side hustle, and then I kind of took the leap about a year ago and left uh, my last job, which was at, at Wharton, part of the University of Pennsylvania, and then took the job full-time, um, which was a huge risk, <laughs> quite frightening. And this idea of kind of everything's not okay and that's okay has resonated with kind of clients as a business owner and just kind of embracing that philosophy of now being a full-time business owner working with companies and organizations to really help promote the future of work and cross-generational communication and interaction with others.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool how you could take a simple thought, like, oh, but that's okay. And turning that into an actual business, (laughs) that's pretty (laughs) phenomenal. Like, do you have, like, a journey Um, behind that? Like, how did all that happen? Well, it's a funny
2: story. So just working in higher education and just, you know, seeing students and faculty and staff I would work with, they would come into my office and let me know kind of the reality of what was going on, whether they were kind of breaking down in tears or just something wasn't right and really reveal that information. And then I would see them in the hallway with their friends and they were smiling and happy and were saying, you know, they did really great on those tests when they just told me that they failed. And it was just this face that everybody seemed to be putting on after things really weren't okay. And I was, you know, kind of mulling around with different ideas of business themes, and then it really clicked that this idea that we're, you know, some people just, we put on this face that everything in life is is okay when the reality is there's always kind of issues going on or things that we're facing, and I was hoping kind of with the business theme, it would bring to light that in life, everything's not okay, and that's really okay, and the more we are open about it and talk about it with one another, whether it's, in school or in a business or as an employee, the more we talk about it and are open about it, the easier it is to feel better in that space and to feel comfortable and be vulnerable um, and be able to share your information with others.
1: So someone would come into your office, they'd be like, oh no, I just got a C plus on my test. (laughs) My whole life is ruined and they'd be crying in front of you for the next 30 minutes, then 15 minutes after they leave your office, they're wiping away their tears, they meet a friend, they ask them, oh, how was that test? And they're like, oh, it was so good, I got such a good grade. (laughs) I
2: I know I got the best grade in the class. And then it was funny because I found myself kind of doing the the same thing in a different way. You know, after I went back to work, I had two little kids, and I went back to work you know, trying to put on the space that I got all this sleep the night before and like everything is fine and I can completely manage and, you know, both worlds were hundred percent, but inside I'm like something, you know, something's giving. It's either me as my, you know, being a parent or me in the workplace, but I just, I felt like I always had to put on the space, like everything yeah. was fine, you know, everything was perfect, sunshine and roses when the reality is you know, you're still trying to work on things and really kind of develop as a person.
1: Yeah, I can definitely relate with that. I mean, there's been moments in my life where I was like, yeah, I'm about to lose my place or I just lost my place. People were asking me how I'm doing. I'm like, yeah, everything's great. Business is going awesome. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, um, yeah, life yeah. freaking when it's sucks. Like like, oh, it's so true because as
2: a society, sometimes I think we're asking the question, you know, how are you? But are we actually asking it for an honest response? Are we asking it because we have no other questions to ask? But, you know, you almost, without even thinking about it, instinct to be like, I'm good. I'm great. How are you? You know, without actually reflecting on, and not to air all of your dirty laundry, but like, oh, today's actually not that great. You know, I'm going through something. Maybe you have a (laughs) suggestion. We don't always kind of go that direction in our conversation.
1: Yeah, so people have been going through this, like, I mean, it's all throughout time if they're really doing it from college, and then they still do it in real life, too. Yeah. Um, I mean, college is real life, too, I guess. So, yeah, it's all the same. <laughs> and, like, what what have you really realized is a way to, like, kind of overcome that?
2: Honestly, with being honest and open and receptive to even that phrase of, I'm giving myself grace and forgiveness, like everything is not fine, but I need to make changes towards making it better. So I either need to reach out for help, come up with a game plan, make a pivot if it's in your career, change classes. But I think until you actually are honest with yourself that things are not in a place where you're comfortable with, you're not able to make a change, and you actually have to do something about it. Because sometimes I think we live in this place of, kind of fear or, you know, being comfortable with complaining about things. But until we put that step forward to make a change, we're always going to be in that kind of stagnant place that nobody really wants to be
1: in. So you feel that as long as you say everything's okay when you're crying because you lost your grade or when something else is going wrong in your life, that no matter what you do, if you don't go and admit to yourself that these things happen and you're open and honest, but not just yourself, but everyone else, that you're just going to keep getting the results that you're getting and it's just going to compile and compile and compile.
2: Uh, That's what I think because until you really reflect on it and understand that you're not in a place you want to be in, you're not open and receptive to making that change. So I think you need to be in a place where you're wanting to make the change and then you're actually ready to do something and push forward about that, forward through it.
1: Yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, personally, I've been in a situation where I was like, "Yeah, everything's okay," but then I sl- slowly saw one thing start disappearing in my life, then the next, then the next, then the next, and the longer I tried to hold on to that uh, concept that everything was okay, my electricity stopped um, working because I didn't pay for it for six months. Got an eviction notice. I was living with my grandma. Right? I was sleeping all day. I was playing video games, avoiding <laughs> work. I found a job that paid me twenty three hundred dollars for like nine months of work. And I'm just sitting there going, Okay, maybe I should <laughs> probably change something. <laughs> so yeah, I can definitely I, see how it could like compile.
2: Yeah, and I just because you're in this place of, you know, it'll get better, it'll be fine, you know, but I think if we don't do, and believe me, I've definitely been there a million times. Like, everything's great. You know, it'll all work out, but I'm not doing anything about it. I'm just going to complain about it. And it's not like I've been in jobs that were terrible. And I just stayed and stayed and stayed, hoping it would get better. But until I recognize, all right, things aren't changing. My attitude needs to change, or I need to really figure out my next step. It just, like, piles on and on. And then I feel, for me, I'm a really positive person. And I can tell the moment that I'm starting to become a different person and just be a little bit negative in this space, and I really don't wanna bring that on other people, that I need to kind of, that's my like call of, okay, I need to make a change, I need a shift, because my attitude's changing into somebody who I don't want to be.
1: Yeah, definitely makes sense. So you said that real is, or the way to get out of this cycle is really to go out there and open up, be honest with yourself, realize that everything's not okay and that that is okay, and kind of take that kind of shift. Do you have, like, any stories of people who realized that and were able to go and change things for themselves to get out of their situations, to stop feeling bad about bad grades, to maybe go out there and make a career move, or any situations like that that um, kind of could shed shed some light to how the system works for others?
2: So a few examples kind of come to mind. I'm thinking kind of back to my academic experience one particular student, there was kind of issues happening every semester. So they would get sick or a family member would die. It was just a situation of really unfortunate circumstances that were out of their control. Um, and But they weren't kind of taking them into control and then essentially blaming kind of other issues. This happened because of this and this happened. So then kind of working with them and figuring out, this is these are the issues at hand, what is in your control? What can we do about it? So you made a list of kind of things that they could do, that they could seek tutoring, they could go to counseling, they could pivot and change their major to a different class because they were interested in it. So really taking that step back to figure out, okay, these things are out of my control, that I can actually do something about these three things. I'm going to schedule an appointment to talk with... Um, a counselor about these issues. I'm actually changing my classes for next semester. So it was taking those incremental steps in their education that was in their control that really evolved. Um, And then at one point, they took a semester off to really reflect and do things because they knew they weren't progressing. So sometimes it's a matter of not pushing, 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 but really just taking a step back and giving yourself that time to grow forward. So that and then they were able to graduate. So it was not ignoring the things that are out of your control, but they really looked at what they could control and help that to kind of push them forward. So that's kind of from the academic standpoint, given all the resources that you have at a university, there's so many options that you can do. They just need to figure out what they are and to use them. And a lot of them are free. Um, So that was really beneficial to that particular student.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like I've had bad things happen to me and I've done bad things too. But in regards to things that happened to me, like when I first looked at these situations, I'm like, oh, no, this is like a hopeless situation. There's like no way out of it. Like, what can I actually control? And I felt like I couldn't control anything. But as um, bad things kept happening, I guess, (laughs) I guess I kind of got a little bit wiser and was like, wait, I can control maybe this or that or that. And I slowly regained some control over things, so I could definitely see how that works and how that student was able to like pursue through and actually graduate college, which is a great thing.
2: And then um, even with, like, you know, working with ahead. lots of clients for their careers, I think um, when you're not able to get positions or you're questioning what career you want to be, there's a lot of questioning your self-worth, where do I fit in, there's a lot associated with that career piece. So working with one particular client, they just kept applying, applying, applying to different jobs that were in the same field that they were in now. Um, so I do a lot of assessments. So I did the strong interest inventory with them and the strength finder assessment to identify what industries they were actually more interested in and what are their strengths. And then we use that to kind of pivot their career a little bit updated their LinkedIn, updated their resume. They did a lot of informational interviews in this new field that they were thinking about, building connections. So what was kind of this negative face of I was, wasn't able to land a job, but I actually didn't even want that anyway, turned out to be something positive because they were pivoting in a direction that they were prepared for and excited to really embrace as they move forward in their career.
1: Oh, that's something I, I want to know, or I wanted to know a few years ago, and it would have been nice to talk to you a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> like, so for me, like, my whole resume was, like, sales and, like, small little marketing roles at startups. And like um, I kept trying to apply for like marketing roles and over and over and over I keep getting offered sales roles and all the marketing positions would turn me down. I'm like, I'm so sick and tired of sales. This stuff's so hard. Like You have to be like happy and motivated every day to sell. If you're having a bad day, then you can't and you just go hungry. If you have a bad year, then your whole life's kind of over. <laughs> I was just sitting here going, how do I shift from one thing to another thing? And I think it was, like, one of the hardest things that I had to do in my life because I was just sitting there, like, applying to hundreds and hundreds of jobs. I can't get anywhere. The only reason I even found a job was because my friend um, worked at a company, and I was like, hey, can you hire me to work for you? <laughs> and she's like, okay. <laughs> and that's the only reason I even was able to make a move. Then I got stuck in that situation again when I tried to leave.
2: But I think that's – but for you to be able to kind of reach out to someone and have that conversation – because you might not have found that on like Indeed or LinkedIn or anything like that. Like that was awesome that you were able to use a connection because they know who you are and they trust you with your work.
1: Yeah, that was like luck. <laughs> and that <laughs> took a little bit of courage within myself to go, oh, I don't want to, like, ask someone for something. What if I, like, disappoint them? What if I make them look bad? Like, their reputation's online. I don't know. Then you was just like, okay, whatever. I'm desperate. I need to ask.
2: <laughs> and you're like, I'm going to prove it. And that like, that, like, what you're saying, makes me think of kind of another example. As I do a lot of leadership trainings and talk about cross-generational communication, people are always afraid to say or do the wrong thing to insult someone, and they're... You know several instances of coworkers in different generations that just kind of bash heads a little bit and don't see eye to eye on issues. And I remember um, kind of this one millennial millennial employee. He was just really frustrated with I guess they were in the baby boomer generation because they kept asking a lot of questions about technology and just getting really frustrated. And they would have to work on projects together, and everything was not okay in their relationship and how they experienced it. So we were talking about different ways that they could better communicate. And I I talk about, and Adam Grant has mentioned before, this idea of five-minute favors. So Mm -hmm. I instituted with them, you know, you have this individual for five minutes, figure out your company's LinkedIn page. They take you for a few minutes to one of the high-end meetings that you wouldn't get to. So it's, you know, kind of this reciprocal piece. And they were able to not necessarily become friends but be able to have a better working relationship because they understood where each other was coming from. They would do a little bit more of coffee chats and more informal conversations to get to know each other. Um, but it was hard to get to that space because you don't want to disappoint someone. You want to make sure you know everything's okay in those conversations because that could be really frightening, especially when you work with one another.
1: Yeah, that could definitely be pretty scary, especially since you two already have an existing professional relationship and you don't really want to put that kind of into jeopardy. Uh, yeah. We're about to hop off to a commercial break. Uh, you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter. Where can people find you, Alyssa?
2: Not okay, that's okay,
1: coach.com. Oh, look, so easy to find. We'll see you after this commercial break. <laughs>
0: It will be the best hour of your week.
2: channel hear the stories be motivated be inspired join us today voice america
0: influencers this is grow your influence tree to reach leonard kim or his guest call into the program at 1-866-472-5795 that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Grow Your Influence Tree. This is Leonard Kim back with Elisa And what we've been talking about lately is how everything is not okay and how that's okay. And, like, if you're anything like me Uh, then you know that everything is not okay a lot of the time because like it's so easy to really go out there in life and experience things and like have them affect you and then just go out into the world and pretend that everything's okay. And like when people look at me nowadays compared to like four years ago, like four years ago you looked at me, you're like, oh yeah, this guy's definitely in the rudder. <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on with him. But you look at me now and you're like, oh, this person's probably successful. Everything's going right for them and everything's good. But guess what? Like even, even when everything does look good, I still have my bad days. I still have days where I wake up. I don't know if I really want to get out of bed. I don't really know if I want to go out there and do something with my life. Am I even making an impact? Is what I'm doing even worthwhile? Why can't I just run away and hide it in my pillow? Like These are just normal thoughts that people have. It's not thoughts that just um, unsuccessful people have or just successful people have. Like These are just normal thoughts, right?
2: Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I feel like it's like this healthy balance <laughs> of, I'm doing it, and then you know, maybe I need to challenge myself and, you know, push myself a little bit and everything's not fine. I'm with you. I do that
1: all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I think what it is, is it's kind of like the experience. Like the more you get into the ring, the less the punch hurts when the person like kind of like swings at you and you kind of get more resistant to it. And I think it's just hopping back up and getting back in that ring and going, you know what, everything's not okay. I'm going to go try again. But you know what, these bruises don't hurt as much as they did yesterday.
2: And, and that's totally right. You hit like the nail on, the head on that one. It's about being pretty, being resilient. And I try to be open about, oh, you know, I put my heart and soul into this prospect. It didn't work out. You know, it's just about trying again. Like maybe this didn't work today, but maybe it'll work in a month from now or never. But keep. Trying because if we, it's not to throw myself a kitty party, like maybe you do too, <laughs> but the city's <laughs> and, right? It's not something that's ongoing, it's you know, fitness or whatever. I live in that space and then pick up the pieces and move on because I think it would be pretty naive not to be upset about something. You just have to be upset and then be productive.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like recently, I, I I read the first chapter to a book because I don't really read that well. <laughs> but it was, a, <laughs> it was a subtle art of not giving a an f. And I was reading through that, and like he has this whole philosophy of like not caring as much about certain things, and like. I see a lot of people go out there and they have, like, all this passion into something. Like, this is my baby. This is my dream project. This is my everything. And when they see something, like, kind of, like, flicker, flick at it, like, oh, no, it's being ruined. It's falling apart. And, like, yeah. you kind of, like, overreacted thing. And, like, when I was, like, reading that first chapter, I probably won't read the rest of the book because I'm lazy. But <laughs> uh, when I was reading that first <laughs> when I was reading that first chapter I was like you know this kind of makes sense if you care less about it then it doesn't really affect you as bad negatively
2: yeah and I and we can't let and I definitely do this sometimes let other people determine our self-worth and value and I think you know if you're rejected or if you failed or anything, For a little bit of time, you kind of take that in, like, what did I do wrong? What was going on? But not in a productive way, more of, like, this this unproductive, sad space. (laughs) So I really try not to let those spaces really affect kind of how I feel about my work. But I I use it and kind of go back, like, what could I have done differently? What could I have changed and learn from it? But that I feel like that takes time to practice (laughs) that space because – you know, getting rejected or failing for something sucks. Like, no matter how you want to no, it do it, it's never great. Um, you just have to kind of pick up the pieces and move
1: forward. Yeah, like Silicon Valley is like, failing, let's fail fast, let's fail fast, let's fail fast. And one of my clients, Jesse Bradley, he's the VP of IoT over at Cisco, he's like, no, failing fast is a joke. No matter what, you do not want to fail. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> You're right. you right, right. right. I look at all my failures and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> how <am I> happy <laughs> if I never had any of these? <laughs> it funny,
2: I saw, uh, let, let's um,
1: change direction. Oh, sure. Go sure. ahead. No, continue. Go ahead.
2: Oh, I was just going to say, I saw um, somebody posted something on social media about how we talk a lot about failures, but not what to do when you're successful, which I thought was a really interesting approach. And I started kind of you know, thinking about what that meant, too. It's like how to be humble in that space, how to move forward, how not, you know, there's always a place to move. But I thought that was interesting, as you know, I focus a lot on overcoming failures, but it was how how to be and how to act when you are successful, or how does that feel? And how can you move on from there?
1: that's a perfect thought because what i wanted to really move into was another thing that you're pretty good at which is the future of work and the future of work kind of requires these skills in order to become successful and Mm -hmm. like if we look at our landscape within the last five years like what's changed so much right there's been scandals here and there uh the, (coughs) the me too movement sprung up like People are perceiving uh, people in the power in a different way. Like people who are leading companies have been taken out of their positions. Women have been rising up to the top. And this is all just what's going on like right now. So what's yeah. what's really in store for that future at work?
2: Kind of going off of that piece, but taking it a little bit in a different direction. Like technology itself is changing. And one thing I noticed, kind of a lot and just doing my work with companies and organizations is a lot of people are working remotely or have the opportunity to work kind of in different spaces. So that's just been interesting to kind of navigate of how do you supervise people across different platforms? How do you work in different teams when everybody's not physically at the same space? You know, as we look forward in the future, thinking about like artificial intelligence, what automation is going to look like, like technology is coming in a lot. And we'll need a lot of people for those roles. And there's obviously certain human skills and soft skills that we'll need to keep, you know, for humans and decision making. But there's so much I think that's going to change, you know, over the next few years that we just haven't seen before. And it'll just speed up um, pretty quickly in those spaces.
1: Yeah, companies like IBM uh, tried to do this like 10, 20 years ago, but then it just wasn't the right time for that kind of movement. But now the world's kind of actually more shifting that way. And then like, kind of like what you mentioned before, like how do you keep people in check, making sure they're doing their work and whatnot, but also looking at the other side of things, like what do you have to do in order to become successful? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, what What do you think for the people element like the actual person let's go with maybe the uh job seeker or the person who wants to go out there and work and move up in a company and let's say they have like some remote office or maybe they're even working at home like how does that person actually like navigate their career path do they become a specialist and get stuck into their position forever do they move up like what what do you think the landscape's like for them i think it's such a great question because it's so hard. So depending on the
2: structure of the company, so let's say
1: everybody's
2: remote, that picture is going to look a little bit different than you have a few people that are working remotely and a few people on the office space. So that's kind of the scenario. You don't want to get lost in that mix. So if you're one of the kind of few people within your team or within the organization that has the opportunity to work from home you need to still build, and I think everything for me comes back to relationships. I'm a huge component of relationship building. You don't want to get lost in the mix, and you still want to build relationships with the people who you manage, the people who work with you, the people who work above you. So if you ever have the opportunity to go into the office and travel there, I would definitely take that up. Have open, if you manage people, I love the idea of open office hours. So if you're managing people for them to – talk to you every Monday from 10 to 12 and always having and engaging in conversations online, whether you're using Skype or some other kind of video conferencing or Zoom. I think you have to be present, be helpful, be productive, make a difference so people can see it, that it's valued, and it's kind of real and authentic. Because if you're, you're constantly in your space and no one knows you exist, it's very hard um, to move up within the organization. You will be stuck.
1: Yeah, I can definitely see it from the other side. You're in the office all the time. You have the opportunity to go network with your colleagues, to go out, eat with them, have informal get-togethers with them. But also, at the same time, when you're around them all the time, they can see you too much, and they can see you on your right. headphones, listening to music, zoning out at your computer. But at the other side, like if you're completely removed from the element, like it's so hard because you could be easily forgotten. It's like, oh, what happened to John? Oh, who's John? Right, <laughs> exactly. You just be forgotten. So, yeah, I I think that really makes sense. Like forcing yourself back into the picture and going, hey, look, guys, I do exist. Look, I'm here. I'm here to help. (laughs) Anything you need, (laughs) please, please don't forget about me.
2: And you're like, yay! you have to kind of, and I talk a lot with different companies about you have a lot of people that are virtual, doing virtual happy hours. I mean, you can always, everybody have a glass of wine or whatever, or not, or coffee and just have these open conversations and breakout rooms. You can use Zoom or other software to bring, you want to create community, even if there isn't a physical space, because people, even if you're an introvert, want support from other people, know that people have their backs or people are following through. And once you get to know people, um, that's a little bit more helpful. And a lot of it comes down to trust too. So if you're working remotely, or your company's bringing in new software, you have to trust the technology you're using. You have to trust the management and the employees that use that. So it's, it's, it's trust and relationship building, I think, is just such a large part as we move forward and use technology to kind of integrate people into the workforce.
1: It definitely is. Uh, another, another side to this, like let's say you're an up and rising leader, right? You're trying to reach <laughs> the C-suite of a company, uh, maybe you even want to be the CEO of a company or maybe the president of a university one day. So you're climbing up that ladder, or maybe a chair of a department, whatever it may be. You're climbing up that ladder, you're going up there, but then you always have this nagging feeling of something that you did 10, 20 years ago that was pretty bad. Like Maybe there's something on your record for like a misconduct of some sort. And, like, when you're rising up, like, you know if you hit that top level that the media is going to go and do a background check on you to make sure that you're legitimate. And if they're not, they're going to try to expose you. You know that uh, someone in the public is going to, if they discover something, they're going to try to take you down. Or, you know, there's so many things that could really go wrong in this situation because of this new climate that we're in. How do you kind of get ahead of that?
2: Such a great question. And I think you sort of answered it in the fact that you have to get ahead of it. So be open, be honest about where it is. And depending on, obviously, it depends on the severity of the issue that you've had. It could be something minor, it could be something huge that could blow up. Um, I always come up to the people who above you, talk to human resources, get kind of a gauge on what it is. It definitely, again, depends on the severity of the issue, but it's not worth sweeping it under the rug because it's going to come out. You know, if you're looking for a high profile position, somebody will find that information and skew it in a way that they want it to be skewed and necessarily tell the full story. So if you can get ahead of it and explain the situation, explain the circumstance in the story that you want to be told, that's kind of the best way to, to do that.
1: Yeah, that kind of reminds me of like when George Bush was running for president, the younger one, who doesn't really look that much younger. Um, mm-hmm. But when he was like running for president, like um, what they did is he got pulled over for drunk driving once, and he never mentioned it during his campaign. And when the, you know, when everyone else got a hold of that information, they tried to smear him with it and try to take him down, mm-hmm. and that almost cost him his entire campaign. And yeah, I mean, if you have that kind of information, like, like, let's say you do have something like that. Do you put it like front and center when you're positioning yourself? Do you like gradually bring it up or do you, um, like, I I mean, it's kind of like a touchy topic, like, and then like right now, like things that people have been doing like 10, 20 years ago that they probably forgot about are like just seeping up through the uh, cracks and like taking them down and. A lot of people just have to go with the punches and just go out, just because they didn't expect all this to happen all at once. Whether what they did was right or wrong. No, I mean, this is good. and
2: obviously it depends on kind of what level of position you're on. You know, basically kind of runs versus kind of moving out to be a manager within an organization, or you know, C-suite are a little bit lower. And you can't, I don't think, manage such large things like that on your own. So whether you're working with a publicist or someone else who can really take a step back and look at it more objectively of this is what we need to do. This is, let's get ahead of it. Let's do what we have in this Cause you don't want to just stand up there and your dirty laundry, right? Like some of them, it might be completely irrelevant.
1: Uh,
2: yeah. That's so easy for someone to find. It's a matter of, of, you know, apologizing for the mistakes that you've made, that you are younger, that, you know, you haven't done this in a while, but having someone kind of in your corner walking you through the best way to navigate that process, I think is really important because if we try to do it alone, it can be a little bit of a sticky situation and especially in those high profile positions.
1: Yeah, that's definitely great advice to really go out there and get an outside perspective. <clears throat> then there's the other side of it, too, where people are already leaders of organizations. Mm-hmm. And if you, let's say you have an organization of like 1,000 to 5,000 people, chances are there's some kind of scandal going on in the organization that you have absolutely no idea about. But then it right. just gets presented and shoved on your desk or in the newspaper one day, and you're responsible, and people come out for your. people come out for your position and even if you're a ceo or a president like the real role for your company is really to go out there and gather up (coughs) fundraising raise money that's the real role of these positions but then since they're also the figureheads most people Mm -hmm. think they're in charge of like the operations and the people but then that's usually like a provost job or like a coo or something but then right. they usually aren't the ones who are blamed for anything. And when people come and attack these people, like, most of the times they have to, like, step down. Like, do you think there's any way that they could get ahead of it? These types of people could get ahead of things that could potentially happen? Because, uh, in my opinion, every single company out there is, like, a ticking landmine waiting for some quote-unquote scandal to come about that was, like, hush-hush when um, adult courts were, or adult lawyers were meant to, like, you know, take settlements and things like that, but then now the media's, like, saying that's a bad thing to do.
2: No, I think, I mean, that brings up so many great points, and I think it's such a great question to ask, especially in the climate that we're in now, and I'm, I'm just a huge fan of openness, honesty, transparency, and I think sometimes, you know, obviously the somebody higher in that organization might not even know about it. Maybe it didn't escalate to that particular level. Maybe the right person didn't hear it. Um, when I used to work in higher education, that was always kind of a fear of certain issues If a student or staff or faculty would bring something to you. You know, you bring it up to the power of that being you try to, continue to follow the line of where that went, but sometimes you just don't know where that ended up and some of it, is a little bit out of your control. So as much as you can, if you've reported something, follow it to make sure that it's seen out, to make sure that that process has kind of finished. Because if it comes up later on, it's somebody's going to get thrown under the bus for it, unfortunately.
1: So what this usually is, it looks like a bottom-up process where the thing stems from somewhere in the bottom and it moves its way up. Do you think, because if you're at the top and you have a bottleneck somewhere and you don't know where that bottleneck is, do you think it might be better to flip it around and be the CEO or president and say, if any concerns are out there, make sure it comes to me and I'm CC'd on it or something so then they make sure that they see everything that's coming in? Do you think I that, think that
2: might be hard. a viable I mean, solution? And for some organizations, I think you also need to trust the people that you hire and train them really well and see what type of situations you want to see and give them parameters for how to engage and follow through with the other ones. That you might get an influx of emails and an influx of situations that are going directly to you, but you really need to hire people that you trust and give kind of specific things of how to follow through. Now, obviously, extenuating circumstances, things like that, I really think it should be seen by that person, but for them to be able to effectively communicate, should this come to me, this is a situation that you can handle, this is how it should be handled, and really everybody kind of on the same page with process procedures, what's legal, what's not, human resources involved, so I think kind of really being open with those processes is very helpful and honestly very crucial.
1: Yeah, that completely makes sense. Uh, it's time for another commercial break. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Leonard Kim. And where can everyone find you again? You can
2: also find me on Twitter on not Okay. That's OK.
1: Perfect. And we'll see you after this commercial break.
3: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best,
2: Would you like to make more money, help more people, and have more fun? Tune in to Noah St. John's Money Mindset and Marketing Mastery Show because you'll discover the money, mindset, and marketing skills that will help you create the abundant lifestyle you desire. As an international keynote speaker, best-selling author, and thought leader, Noah helps business owners increase their income, influence, and impact. So tune in to Noah St. John's Money Mindset and Marketing Mastery Show live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern noon Pacific, on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers
0: Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's one 472 5795 Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree.
1: Hey, everyone. Leonard Kim back here with Alyssa Carpenter. If you listen to the first uh, segment, you really got to figure out how everything's not okay and how that's okay and you can really deal with it. Uh, the second segment, we kind of moved into the future of work and what that really entails. And I tossed out some uh, questions that Alyssa was probably like, well, I hate you now. Like, why did you take these questions from left field and not even prep me for these? But now I'll just toss out another random question for Alyssa to really cover. Like, I've seen you've been on like ABC7, CBS6, Fox, and all these other like TV stations. Like, h- How do you end up on TV?
2: Well, it's so funny. The, my first time on TV, it happened to be a connection with someone I actually met on social media. And then we kind of made that connection and then I was able to go on their show. And I didn't know, it was one of the things that I wanted to do for a while. Like it looked like fun. I think I would really like it. I like public speaking and doing all that stuff. Um, So I wanted to kind of navigate it in what felt like a little bit of a safer space. (laughs) So after my kind of first show, I then decided to kind of move forward and try different things. But it really all started with, building relationships with people and really kind of relationships that weren't meant to lead to something, relationships for the sake of building relationships, not forgetting something in return and became more of friendship.
1: Oh, cool. So basically it was like you became friends with someone else, you guys connected, you talked, and one day out of the blue they're like, hey, there's this TV show going on, I know this person. And you're like, oh, that's cool, that's something I want to do. Kind of like that? Exactly. Yeah, Interesting.
2: Especially. And then I tried it, out, liked it, and then have been doing kind of shows since then, which has been really fun.
1: Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard a situation where someone was like directly targeting a TV station and they were actually able to get on. Uh, personally, I don't know if I've heard of that situation. I mean, I've I've been on TV a few times, but that's because someone just sent me an email asking me if I wanted to go, which is a little bit different than reaching out directly. But yeah, that's interesting. That's pretty cool. It's good to have friends, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just fun. I
2: really, I really enjoy it. Because they ask some great questions. You're able to really kind of engage and meet new people in different places. So it's just really a different experience and different job than I had from my previous roles in higher ed, for sure.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, let's let's go back to this future of work a little bit. You, you know, there's so many people out there. Well, now the philosophy of the world changed from, like, capitalism at all costs to uh, compassion and empathy and um, treating each other as equals and holding each other to a higher standard. I think that's kind of what the new world is, right? Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that's how I'm perceiving it to be. And it seems that, like, people are, like, trying to hold everyone accountable to this and change how, like, business is being done. Um, like, like, let, let's just use those recent um, school shootings, for example. Like, before, like, a corporation would have kind of next to zero involvement uh, on, like, speaking on something like that or getting involved or doing something. But do you see that kind of changing in the near future? Like, do you see corporations, like... Like, if you don't talk about it, does that mean you don't care about it? Or, like, what, what's kind of, like, the world of uh, this, <clears throat> of, like, where do you think that these companies are kind of going with uh, the new world that we're kind of entering into?
2: And, and being more open about conversation around these things?
1: Uh, uh, in general, I mean, do you think like this yeah. is something that companies are going to hop in and start talking about? Do you think they're going to have the leaders in their companies start talking about them? Do you think they're going to still stand back? Uh, uh, it seems that there's a lot yeah. of transparency really going on, and like uh, I'm, I'm just asking where you see this going. Yeah, I mean, I think
2: it's, that's also just an interesting frame of mind. So I'm thinking about you know, the recent situations, just because it happened recently, kind of was there Zantia being canceled or, or things like that. I think companies will step in when it's situations where there's something kind of that's being blatantly said that is hurtful to a group of individuals or kind of a situation where people don't want their company kind of named behind that, so moving there kind of money from advertising, I definitely see that continuing. I see that kind of increasing more and more, especially that social media, people are just saying anything and everything that they want and sometimes thinking that there's no repercussion to it. And oftentimes there is, because even if it's online for two seconds, somebody can take a screenshot of it, it's available. And companies and organizations are going into that space and don't want their name associated with it. In terms of, Shootings and things like that. That's just been interesting for me to navigate in general as kind of seeing Gen Z and just how they're talking about it. And it's, it's just so like it's empowering to see these individuals, you know, at such a young age making such a difference and having such a large voice to be able to try and change things. I don't know necessarily what role a company and or organization would have in that, but I would hope there would be in the future if they're not now safe spaces to continually engage in conversation around some of these issues. I think it's very hard when there's controversial issues, but I'm hoping that people feel comfortable to hear another an opposing opinion that's different from themselves in a respective way, and I'm hoping that the difference of opinion is given in a respective way. Um, but that's really kind of where I see yeah, it. Um, it it just also depends on the culture of the organization for sure.
1: Yeah, and definitely what you said about the Roseanne situation, like the company actually stood up and Ambient was like, a uh, known side effect of our um, drug or whatever is not racism. And they stood up and took a stance against that too because um, she tried to blame it on her taking Ambien. So there's that situation where companies are willing to stand up themselves. And what, what it happens for the bigger situation, I mean, this is I think, like, companies in general, like, they've gone through change management processes to try to become less siloed. Now the world's pushing them to do even more. It's kind of interesting what this real future of work is really going to look like.
2: And the individuals in it. And I, when I think about the future of work, I think about employees because, to me, employees are the heart and soul of an organization. Without them, there wouldn't be one. Even if we have kind of more technology, AI and things like that, and automation coming into place, there will always still be the need for human thought and soft skills and things like that. And just seeing as these, I'll call them kind of young adults, living in this you know, high school, and I was previously talking about kind of my kids, is they have all these drills constantly about intruder and active shooting, this is kind of normal to them. This is their day-to-day. They talk about this frequently. They see this often. So what they're coming in with and their perspective on this is very different from myself and folks older that didn't have that experience. So how they're coming into the workforce, kind of their fear is a little less than different than if something would happen in the workforce for somebody who's older and that's just newer to them and and just has kind of not been seen before so the individuals will often make up kind of that shift and what that will look like in work
1: yeah, and when you talk about the employees, like, if you remember like a few years ago, a lot of people on Twitter and their social media profiles would be like, work at XYZ company. Opinions are my, not, my own, not my employers. Like, do you think as time progresses as social media becomes more of an open and open platform and Uh, this digital world kind of becomes more really intertwined with this real world that we are living in. Are these opinions going to potentially be more aligned with their employers? Are these employers' brands going to open up and have their brands be a little bit more flexible? Uh, It's like, what could really happen?
2: I think if an company or organization wants to be successful and recruit, retain, and effectively engage their employees, you can actually of create this influencer program within your employees. Your employees are your biggest advocate or should be the biggest advocate for your organization, for the products they sell, for the environment that they host as employees and as a workforce. So if you have your individual employees kind of tweeting out on social media or Facebook or information about your company, that's going to get a broader reach and a more personal touch. Then just your company sending out that information. So if you make your company your biggest, you make your employees of their company your biggest advocates and they're sending out information that you want them to send out because it's positive, because they have a positive experience, your company will only grow and see vast results from that.
1: Yeah, that's definitely something that we're working on for one of our projects and getting people involved. And we do see that shift, and there's a lot of things that you really can't do with a brand that only people can really do. So there's a lot of limitations in the tape when you're just operating as a brand. Mm-hmm. So that definitely makes sense, too. So, yeah, I mean, it's really interesting where things are going. And I guess right now it's really all just speculation until we really just see what comes crashing down, right. <laughs>
2: And I, and I think as long as we kind of as a society, as organizations, continue to communicate with each other about what are the changes making in the organization, what technology are we bringing in, to engage and build those trusting and meaningful relationships, that's where we'll see kind of real change and really bridging those silos, having more people work together, doing more project-based teams. It's going to make a huge difference in the employees' morale and the productivity of the organization.
1: Yeah, I think if anyone here listening is uh, anyone here listening is trying to look for a takeaway from this entire conversation, I'd say there's two main ones here. The first one would be to really find yourself stop running from what you're scared of stop denying what's really going on and just get in there and just own up to it because your life isn't going to change until you really take ownership of what's been going on then on the other side of it is after you own things up go and collaborate with others work together build connections like work to make something happen and collaborate and move forward as opposed to really going out there and being a standalone person who's just hiding and only looking out for the but figuring out how what you can do can really work with other people and intertwine to really help you move up and progress with whatever it is, whether it's your career, life, or whatever else it may be. You yeah, that
2: was a great summary.
1: <laughs> <was really> <laughs> so we basically spent an hour talking about these two tiny things that could be summed up in two sentences. Should we just erase the other 50-something minutes and just leave this here? <laughs> done <laughs> okay perfect well I wanted to really thank you so much Alyssa for coming out on and hopping on to the show today I really do appreciate you being here for everyone listening thank you so much for tuning in on to grow your influence tree we're here every single week on Thursday at 1pm Pacific Standard Time uh, I'm Leonard Kim you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Leonard Kim I'm usually pretty responsive unless I'm having a week where I'm just sad and hiding from the world and just staying in for 48 hours not responding it's usually when you find me but you know what everything's not okay and that's okay and we have um Alyssa here where could everyone find you
2: uh you can also find me on twitter at not okay that's okay or my website not okay that's okay coach.com
1: perfect and we'll see you guys next week thank you for tuning in
0: thank you for making us part of your week Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.